Amen. So just as our uh, brother Ben mentioned, thank you everyone for praying and for being part of the service today and appreciate the prayers as well before the service. Our brother Ben mentioned there are many ways that we can give. We can uh, give today. We'll encourage uh, back there on the giving box and we have our giving envelopes back there as well to be able to build up the kingdom of God here at Imago Church or you can do online. I was able to give online through a text this morning, and it's amazing the different ways that we can all be contributors here at Imago Church together as a family. And um, a couple of other uh, encouragements as you continue to be praying. Be lifting up the Madrid family and pray for our brother Ruben. He did have a a surgery this past um, Thursday, and he's doing much better. It's one day at a time and an hour at a time and trusting God. But we need us all, the family of God, to be continuing to pray and interceding for him in this time. I've been able to talk to him the past couple of days. And he's doing um, better each and every day. But continues to ask for prayer. And he sends uh, love on behalf of, the, of, of himself and receives the love on behalf of our Imago family as well. So we'll continue to lift him up, check in on him, check in on the family, and uh, know that we're all in this together as one body united in Christ. And we continue to lift up to just our world that so desperately needs God. And every single day is just evidence of that fact that we need a savior. And so that's why we're here, so that God would build us up to send us out for his purposes. And um, as we continue in our time of worship today, we're going to open up the word of God. And today we're going to be in the book of Ephesians, as uh, was mentioned earlier today. We've been in this uh, book uh, for now over a month. And today we're going to be concluding our time in Ephesians as we take a pause and change things up and get creative with our worship throughout the rest of the summer. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Ephesians chapter 2, verse beginning at verse 12. You can follow along in your Bibles and the scripture will be in the projector right behind me. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 12 to 22. Ephesians capítulo 2, versículos 12 al 22. I'll be reading in English, but go ahead and follow along in your heart language. And if you're here or in person or worshiping online, the verses should be on the slides as well. So let's go ahead now and open our hearts and open our minds to hear from the word of God. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. Remember that at that time... You were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups into one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. 
and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were, who were near, to far away and to those who were near. Verse 18, for through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built up together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you and we come before you this morning in full confidence, Lord, that you are our sustainer and that you are the one, Lord, who takes us just as we are, messiness and all, and you do something new and beautiful. And God, I just pray that we would be able, Lord, to just trust in you, to trust that your word is true to trust that your promises are true, Lord. May we trust in you more than in our own instincts or in others' opinions, Lord God. May we rest in you this morning. Lord God, we've given you, Lord, of our time, our tithes and offering, Lord. And now, Lord, we give you our very lives as an act of worship So we're opening up our souls to whatever it is that you have to say to us this morning, Lord. Help us, Lord God, to draw near to you as you draw near to us. Make us new, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So as I mentioned earlier, we've been in the book of Ephesians in this series that we've been calling Spiritual Maturity where together we've been learning about um, what God calls us to in being Christ followers. That you and I are called not just to grow old as religious, habit-keeping Christians, but we're called to grow up in our journey with Christ. And that applies to all of us, no matter if we're younger or older or what stage in life or whether we're taking our first steps with God or our next steps in maturity, we are all called to grow up in Christ towards spiritual maturity. And today we're going to be concluding that series on the book of Ephesians and then we'll pick up Ephesians again in the fall. But, and, and for the rest of the summer, as I mentioned, we're going to be doing some creative things like beginning uh, this week, we're going to have a special song. And then throughout the rest of June, we're going to be reflecting on special songs that remind us of God's timeless truth, God's timeless truth that we find in our worship. And so I'm really grateful and excited for um, all that God is teaching us and all that God is going to do. But as we've been in Ephesians, we've gone through these first few chapters, and we've seen that the first three chapters of Ephesians outline key parts of what we believe 
as Christians, what we believe as followers of Jesus. And then the last three chapters, which we're going to be looking at in the fall, really outline some of the topics on how we are to live as followers of Jesus, how we are to live so that we could maintain spiritual health and we can also be reflectors of Jesus through our lives, our words, and our actions. Nos llama la Biblia para ser reflectores de Cristo en nuestras vidas. So, in these first three chapters that we've been looking at in Ephesians, we've been looking uh, about, uh, uh, we've been reflecting on that, how to grow up in Christ. And today is a very special day for the church throughout history and around the world. Today is a day called Pentecost in the church calendar. And Pentecost uh, could mean all kinds of things, but what the actual word Pentecost means is that was the birth of the church that we see in Acts chapter 2. So that's a happy birthday to the church. So happy birthday to you. Pentecost is the day that we celebrate the birthday of the church. Christmas is the birthday of our Lord and Savior Christ, right? We get a birthday celebration too on Pentecost. Not as nice, not as, uh, you know, glitzy, but it, it works. We'll take it. But um, in Pentecost, it's when we celebrate the birthday of the church where the people of God in Acts 2 came together and the Holy Spirit came down. As Jesus went up through the ascension, the gift of Jesus was the Holy Spirit to descend over the, the people of God. So that's you and I, the people of God that the Holy Spirit has descended on. And so what does it mean to be that, a people set apart for God's purposes, to be a follower of Jesus? And in fact, that's what the book of Ephesians talks about in these first three chapters. That's one of the big questions. What does it mean to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior? Well, one of the things that it makes very clear on is this, that following Jesus as Lord and Savior is not merely a set of social customs, and it's not just a, a club, a, a country club kind of Christianity. In fact, in uh, chapter 2, verse 14, and you can follow along in your Bibles there, it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So just to be clear, to follow Jesus is not to be part of a clique or to be part of a club. In fact, it says here that Jesus actually destroys all that, that he breaks down those dividing walls and those divisions that we have with one another. So it's not a club, not a clique to follow Jesus. And then secondly, what Ephesians teaches us is that to follow Jesus with all of our heart, all of our strength, and all of our mind, it's not just a list of do's and don'ts. It's not just a game of rule-keeping or rule-breaking. In verse 15 to 16, and you can follow along in your Bibles, um, Ephesians 2, 15 and 16. These are two of my favorite verses in the entire New Testament. They're part of what inspired me to pastor and to plant a church. 2, 15 and 16, it says this, By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. 
So the gospel, the faith that we hold on to, this good news of God, it makes this amazing claim that God has come to us in the person of Jesus and how we respond to that good news, that changes everything. It impacts everything, every part of our lives. And in fact, early followers of Jesus here in Ephesians, they use different language to describe the process of responding to this new reality in light of God revealing himself to us through Jesus Christ. Paul, the author of of Ephesians, he uses the language of learning Christ in the new life. So Paul in Ephesians is claiming that following Jesus leads to new life. Remember, clicks and rule keeping, that can lead to a nice life, but following Jesus leads to new life. Not just nice life. The purpose of the new life is not just behavior adjustment, but transformation. New life is the goal of spiritual maturity. So what have we been talking about this whole month? Spiritual maturity? Spiritual maturity is actually the goal, the end in mind, is to reach new life in Christ. It's what we've been talking about together for this past month. New life in Christ. Not just nice life or being in a nice clique or a nice club. And over the summer and the fall, we're going to be opening our minds to new ways that we can be dynamic followers of Jesus where the goal of us as a community at Imago Church is to develop each other into disciples, not just an event or thing that we come to, but a place where we're built up to be sent out. The goal of spiritual maturity is new life in Christ. Now, religious legalism can never lead to new life. It can lead to a so-called nice life where I just surround myself in a nice way with people who look, think, and act like me and agree with me on everything, right? Sin management, religious legalism can lead me to that also, to just trying to manage my behavior and manage my sin. But then the flip side of that coin, it's the exact same thing as rebellion, right? A lot of people go through this stage, and I've known this many times, and I've had moments where I've wanted to do this as well, right? You grow up in a, a strict, legalistic, religious type of upbringing, and then, and then just run away and do the complete opposite through rebelliousness. But rebelliousness is actually just the, the flip side of the same coin. Rebelliousness, which is walking away or running away from God, will not lead to new life. It may lead to what feels like a nice life or feels good for a while, but guess what? Just like religious rule-keeping rebelliousness, that only works until it doesn't. Until the ground just shifts from right under you, it leads to the exact same place. But in the new life, we gain and we develop spiritual maturity. We learn Christ not by doing more things, but by being in Christ. To follow Jesus is not a question of doing more or doing more of the new life, but it's about being in the new life. 
To enter into this intimacy, this closeness with Jesus requires that we put off our old selves, our old ways of thinking, our old ways of being, and this new life invites us to place our eyes on Jesus. Instead of just trying to fix ourselves or fix others, we're called to fix our eyes on Christ and see what he does in and through us. New life in Christ is an openness to God, redeeming every single part of our lives. Jesus sees every part of your life and he claims mine. He claims that belongs to me, you belong to me. Even those ugly parts that we're ashamed of or we're embarrassed of and we don't want to talk about, Jesus says, I want to go there. I want to make you new. Because all things were created by him and for him, as it tells us in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. That claim of Christ is for all of our life, including our insides, our outsides, our emotions, our anger, our instincts. All of that is to be given, surrendered, and yielded to him. And in this new life, God will redeem it all. And he will make us new. He will make you new. Our anger, our instincts, he's going to redeem all that. He sees that and he says, that's mine. I'll take it. I know you don't even want it, but I'll take it, says Jesus. I'll do something new with that. He will make you new. He will not just settle for making us nice. He will not just settle for making us look good in front of others or in front of ourselves, but God will make us new. Jesus will make us new. Because here's the truth. Anyone can be nice. Both religious people and non-religious people can be nice. And they can both be really rude, too. And I get it. Some of us can resist it, right? And I've seen it happen in both ways. Uh, Religious and non-religious people both being really nice and really rude at the same time. You know, um, I have some dear friends and I've spent time uh, in different parts of the country Um, So I've gotten to know different types of people and different types of uh, attitudes. Um, And one dear place that I love, it's a sweet place, very different than than parts of California, but is in the South, right? That many can even refer to as the Bible Belt. And I've I've spent some time in Georgia and have some friends from Mississippi. And uh, there's this phrase in in the southern states that is actually this phrase that some of you maybe have heard, but it's this phrase that says, bless your heart. Have you ever heard that? Bless your heart. In your southern accent, oh, bless your heart. Now, when someone says bless your heart, it actually doesn't mean bless your heart. It means that someone is too, it doesn't agree with you, they don't like what you just said, but they're too afraid to tell you that, so they say, Oh dear, bless your heart. And I learned what that meant. I remember once someone told me that for the very first time. Um, someone, someone that was from that part of, of the country. And I thought like, oh wow, well, I, I guess this is going well. We're connecting well. But then someone told me, you know what, Carlos? That's not what you think it means. You just experienced something called nice nasty. <laughs> There's a way to be nasty by being nice 
Oh, bless your heart. Or, you know, I grew up in a pretty, in a, in a pretty uh, you know, uh, strict uh, type of um, church setting, too. And there, it was in Spanish. The phrase was, Dios te bendiga, right? Oh, yeah, this and that. I just said something I shouldn't have, but Dios te bendiga. God bless you, right? Or bye-bye, or whatever it is. And I know that that's part of our journey for some of us. We've experienced all kinds of things, niceness and rudeness from religious and non-religious people alike. And some of us can, um, can get touchy sometimes when we talk about God wanting to restore all parts of our lives, including our anger, including our emotions, including those things that seem like they just belong to us. They're like our babies. They've been with us all of these years. You know, this last week I got to finish uh, this book. I've, I've decided to go back through reading all of, um, all of C.S. Lewis's books once again. And I finished uh, The Great Divorce, which is about heaven and hell, an incredible fictional book on all of that. But um, he, the first book I ever read on him was uh, Mere Christianity. Some of you have read it before. But he actually addresses this question in chapter 10. Chapter 10 of Mere Christianity is called Nice People or New People? And in this chapter, Lewis touches upon a question, and he asks, is God's goal for people to just be nice religious folks, or is God's goal to create new people, new people reflecting the image of Christ? And he wrote this chapter after listening to a very common complaint against Christians and against others too, but specifically for those that call themselves Christians. And it's this complaint, and maybe you've made this complaint before, or you've felt this before, and it's this. If, here's the complaint. If Christianity is so great, then how come so many Christians are not so nice? If Christianity was true, then why aren't all Christians nicer than all non-Christians? Friends, brothers, sisters, I don't know how that lands for you. I mean, we've seen it all, right? on TV or all kinds of things, both religious and non-religious people not behaving very well. But what we want to talk about here today, yeah, we own that, we name that, we don't claim that for each one of us, but the gospel has the power to transform our character from the inside out. So yes, as we grow in spiritual maturity, our actions will bear the fruits of the Spirit, which include joy, peace, patience, kindness, along with several more that we find in Galatians 5, to 23. Jesus is doing a work that takes time and process. The salvation done that, that Jesus is doing is through the power of the cross, through the resurrection, and that transformation takes time and process. The end goal in our journey with Jesus is not just niceness, but it is newness. He is making you and I, each and every one of us, new. The end goal is not just inspiration or information, but the end goal in this journey with Jesus is spiritual maturity, new life in Christ through transformation, new people being transformed into His image. And the truth is we're mistaken if we think that this journey with God is simply about modifying our behavior I grew up that way, and some of us did as well, that we thought faith was just about sin management and behavior management. 
Yes, Christ-like behavior is a fruit of the new life with God, but it is not the end in mind. Niceness is not just the end in mind, but newness in Christ. Being a follower of Jesus is ultimately about being transformed into new creations, into new people, and that transformation takes time. The issue when it comes to behavior isn't whether or not all Christians are nicer than all non-Christians, but the issue is this. Given whatever personality or temperament or background uh, that, uh, that you have as a person that you were born with or that you've uh, grown up with, the question is this. Whether or not you or he or she or that person that you're thinking about improves and is being transformed transformed in a way that is beginning to taste more like Jesus, like those fruits of the Spirit, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, growing more and more into the image of God in and through our lives, the image that He's put in every one of us. This is the work that God is up to here at Imago Church, transforming and maturing us, every single one of us, to be more and more reflecting the, like, the likeness of the image of Christ. That's our purpose. That's the point. That's the end in mind. And Jesus invites you, me, and each one of us to follow him into greater things to live for something bigger, to live for someone bigger rather than just me and mine. You and I know that we live in a world where people too easily give themselves to things that are so much less. So much less than what we were created for. We get angry sometimes. I've gotten angry at times at things in this life and I've given energy over to things that at the end of the day really do not matter. In one year they won't matter. In one day for some of us they won't matter. But in Christ we can embrace the reality that Jesus invites us into new life. A new life to free us from petty things, to free us from what we need to let go of, and to free us for bigger things. Free us from just niceness and free us for newness in Christ. That's what God is doing in and through each one of us on this journey of spiritual maturity. So back to this question. And we'll reflect on this as we, as we uh, conclude. Why are some Christians not as nice as some non-Christians? Well, the answer, that should be obvious. What oftentimes brings people like you and me to put their faith in Jesus Christ is, 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 uh, is not our deeds, but it's our needs. You and I need God. I need God. Oftentimes, it's some of the people, like you and me, that are broken, and we know it. We admit it, and we confess it. And not only that, but we know that there is something wrong, and there is a need for a Savior. That is why we turn to Jesus. 
Not because of our deeds and we got it all, all worked out, but because we have needs. Every day, every week, we see horrible events and ugly divisions in our country and in our world. Those are all reminders that we have need. We need a Savior. So it's obvious when a person who realizes that they are in deep need, that our deeds alone, our actions alone can't cut it, when we realize that, when that we cannot do life on our own, that need is what often leads to following Jesus. So faith in Christ, this journey with Christ, is really based, as much as many of us want to think it's on our deeds and how we look in front of others, but it's really based on our needs, that we need a Savior. That's what led me to Jesus 20 years ago now, this need where I came to realize, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. You can make me new. That's who God sees, and that's where God works. All of us here are, are here really because we have need. I, as your pastor, I'm simply one person with need pointing to Jesus, pointing others with need to Jesus to the one who can fulfill our true need, to find our identity, to find purpose, to find security in him. So when a person starts following Jesus, it's actually our need that leads us to the grace of God. So we can be patient with ourselves. We can be patient with one another because guess what? God is patient. Grace is patient. Since God is patient with us, that means that we are called to be patient as well. Be patient with others in their faith journey. Be patient with yourself with your faith journey. Some of you come in this Sunday, whether you're here in person or online, and you're thinking to yourself, I can't believe it. I gave in to that same attitude, to that same destructive behavior or habit or that way of thinking again. Be patient. God is at work. Because the truth about the end goal being transformation, of the end goal being newness, not just niceness, the, the truth is that neither you or me, nor he or she, anyone we can think of, no one can change overnight. There will still be many messy things to work through. Messy emotions, messy instincts, messy moments to work through, and that's okay. You're okay. Give it to Christ. He'll do something new. It's a process. It's not just a quick fix. Grace is patient. That's why it's called a journey. Transformation leads to that journey. It's a process. It's not just trying, but it's training. God is training you to become new, to grow in spiritual maturity. It's not just a quick fix, but remember, God is working an eternal fruit in your life. Jesus is at work in the mess, in our mess, in your mess. And he's bringing it all together 
in a way beyond what we could think of or even imagine. Because the one who calls us is faithful. He will take us beyond just religious or non-religious niceness. And he will lead us into newness of life and to growth in spiritual maturity. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you. And even right now, we want to receive this song of amazing grace, Lord, reminding us that your grace is patient. That this journey that you have us on, Lord God, is a journey that leads to eternal fruit, God. Not just a quick fix. We all want that sometimes. I've, I confess that I've wanted that at times, Lord God. But right now, we're simply going to be still and to know that you are God, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord God, do the work in us. Make us new, Lord. We're done with settling for just being nicer, looking nicer, looking good. We want to be good. We want to be in Christ, Lord. Not just call ourselves Christians, but to be faithful followers who are reflecting the image of Christ in our lives, words, and actions. On our own, we cannot, so Lord, you must do it in and through us. Receive this song, and I want to invite us all right now, in this time, with this special song, to just worship, to just pray, and let the Holy Spirit descend on you this morning, just as the Holy Spirit did in that first Pentecost in Acts 2 with God's people. Let's pray and receive and worship to this song as we prepare to close.